Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right, welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, a podcast for lovers, thieves, intellectuals, patriots, lunatics, and most importantly, God-fearing, honest Michigan fans. I am Jared Stormer of mazeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, the one they call the Crimson Humphrey Bogart, and my dear friend, how are you on the eve of battle, you kind warrior? I am well, sir. Thank you for that introduction. I'm still reeling from last week when you and I got to talk to Sir Desmond Howard himself. An excellent podcast. He was a fantastic guest to have returned to the show. And, dude, week zero is come and gone. College football is back, baby. It is upon us, sir. I sat here in my room and I watched about uh, four hours of it while the sun was shining brightly outside, and that's how you know it's back. I didn't leave didn't leave my domicile and watch things like uh, Vanderbilt, Hawaii, with my free time, and I loved every second of it. Oh my god, it was fantastic! I was up watching the uh, kind of pseudo college game day. They were having like a lot of virtual stuff because nobody in their right mind wants to go to Ireland this time of the year. So, but it still felt good, man. It felt like it was really starting to come back. It was just like a nice little teaser, like a soft opening. I fully think that we should always open with Big Ten games, too, because while it might be nine to 11 and nine overtimes like you get sometimes, you also get games like we witnessed 
between Nebraska and Northwestern, which was absolutely tremendous, despite it being a bit of a circus tent fire. God, just a treat of a game. There's something about Big Ten football I've just missed. I don't know if it was the uh, bad coaching the decisions, the the ineptitude along the defensive line. Um, Casey Thompson making the same bad throw two plays in a row. It just felt right, you know. I was really happy. It's good to be back, baby. Uh, Only one quick hit for you before we get into the meat of this thing. Desmond Howard put out his college football prediction. And since you just mentioned Sir Desmond Howard, he's been knighted uh, in the state of Michigan and certainly on this podcast. Uh, His his top four was uh, controversial. And I was getting hit up by people left and right over this. And my response to every single one of them was the same. They were all like, how dumb is this guy? This is absolutely stupid. And I'm like, you do realize he's a media member and you're sharing his story far and wide. So I would say he's uh, crazy like a fox. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, if you don't share the same thing everybody else has, you're just looked at as a fool. But for whatever reason, we just assume Clemson's going to be good again, despite all their losses. So it would make more sense to have them in some people's eyes. So, no, I love that Desmond went a more unique route and just took it a different direction and gave a fresh perspective because I think groupthink runs wild in the media in particular. So good for him. Think outside the box. And plus he had Michigan. Yeah, exactly. He had Michigan, Pittsburgh, Baylor, and who's the other one? NC State? Uh, Texas A&M. Texas A&M. Texas A&M. I don't think he's going to be right, but nonetheless, I'm absolutely here for it, man. Like, that's our dude. And uh, say what you will, man, that drove up engagement. It was probably the most shared thing of the week. So uh, I would say it was a great success for our guy, media mogul Desmond Howard. Yeah, and you'd think he's probably privy to a little bit more information than the common man, so I think he's heard a little whisper here, a little whisper there, and still it's more accurate than R.J. Young from Fox having Michigan outside the top 25. Oh, I've saved some receipts from some truly idiotic takes regarding Michigan, and uh, I will be cashing in those receipts here shortly, Uh, but... Uh, For now, let's touch on what happened in week zero, or at least let's give a a brief recap and let's let's allow some room to breathe for uh, maybe just dogging on Nebraska for a minute. Uh, Scott Frost and Nebraska, once again, in perhaps the least surprising result of week zero, collapsed in an epic fashion in Dublin. Um, I mean, the the internet went down and as did the Cornhuskers, but at least the fans got free beer and to watch a circus tent fire. For Scott Frost, there's very little, very little good to take away from what happened in uh, in Ireland. Speaking of dumb and stupid takes, uh, everyone was like so quick to anoint Nebraska after the first possession, like several prominent people online, like, oh man, this is looking good. What's their ceiling? They could be scary. I had them in the top 20. No guys, it's a drive. I get, we're excited, but let's make sure we exhale, breathe during it. Maybe sometimes don't tweet till the game's over. It's kind of like, don't name your kid until after game of Thrones is finished. There's too, (laughs) too many people out there with wrong names, but, uh, Neither here nor there. Yes, Nebraska fans, this is a safe place. I just want you all to know that we respect you. We think your head coach is a buffoon, but you do not deserve this. Look, I may have named my dog Khaleesi during season three, but I stand by it. It's still a strong name. Uh, getting harder to say. dog, too. A, a tremendous dog, uh, and she truly is the queen of the farm. But getting harder to stand behind Scott Frost at this point. I mean, we pretty much signed his death warrant early on in the season when we were looking at their their schedule. I mean, they still have Oklahoma as a non-conference yet to come. And to drop this game and to drop it in the way that they did it uh, with, 
I would say, I mean, I, I can be a, a victim of recency bias myself, but that's one of the more egregious onside kick calls that I can remember. Yeah, not too many come to mind because most coaches don't try a cute onside kick up 11. I mean, that's just a dumb call. Like, I don't – Scott, this has, been, this has been Scott Frost's Achilles heel for a long time now, though. He tries to get too cute, do things a certain way instead of just worrying about winning games. That's why winning has been so elusive to this program. Like, he always finds a way to get in his own head and just make a dumb decision. Like, this isn't Central Florida playing the deaf and the blind anymore. You're playing Big Ten schools. And to uh, follow up to that ineptitude and that losing streak that you were you were speaking on, got some fun stats about just how bad it is at Nebraska. And my favorite one I'm going to lead with, if Scott Frost were to win his next 50 games, he would still have a worse winning percentage than Bo Pelini. Uh, let, let's marinate on that one for a moment. Bo okay. Pelini, that was, yeah, not, not even the great coaches, just the, the prior one before Mike Riley. Like, that is horrendous man like you, know, like you think it's bad but then you see a stat like that and you realize it's gotten even worse um I'll, I'll give you another stat nebraska is four and 16 in their last 20 games against power five opposition just know jim harbaugh won more than four games against power five teams last year <laughs> they've lost 10 of their 13 against Big Ten teams. They've lost to every team in the Big Ten West, which is kind of a joke of a conference when you compare it against the Big Ten East. I mean, this is a level of ineptitude that most coaches don't reach because most coaches don't get this much time to try to right the ship. I mean, they they have given him every opportunity to get it figured out at Nebraska. And uh, I, I was a little curious, so I was kind of perusing the Nebraska message boards. And even the most staunch of supporters are pretty much saying, yeah, th- this is it for Scott Frost. I mean, they asked him in the press conference if he was going to resign. I mean, that's never a good sign when the media is directly saying, like, you done here, bro, or what? I got two more quick stats for you, unwritten in the doc. I'm ready for your reaction. Hit me. Scott Frost has one win against the Big Ten team with a winning record. Is Michigan State. Glorious. Next one. Nebraska has lost 49 times since 2015. Under Tom Osborne, they lost 49 times between 1973 and 1997. (laughs) What is that, 24 years? Yeah, so, yeah, in Tom Osborne's time, lost 49. They've done it since 2015. Oh my gosh. I mean, look, I don't even really take too much joy in dancing on their grave. Nebraska isn't a rival. Their fans are quite polite and nice every time I've met, I met them. Uh, they deserve better. The program deserves better. Just get them back to competence. I mean, it's only going to help the Big Ten. Uh, I mean, granted, you know, they might be able to get us every now and again if they actually get a coach that knows what he's talking about in there, but they deserve better than Scott Frost. I mean, the dude's kind of a joke. He's going to be an offensive analyst at Alabama this time next year. I would probably bet decent money on that. It's over. It's over for him. And I mean, you can laugh all you want about the we out hit him and our offensive lineman threw up more than any other offensive lineman in the country. But uh, the fans deserve better, at least. They do. The jokes write themselves, man. It's going to be a rough season. But on the other side of the ball, our boy Pat Fitzgerald, baby, got the job done. Look, I mean, a Fitzgerald in Ireland? What did you expect to happen? The man, This is a homecoming for that man. 
That's that's God. exactly what yeah, they were. They were born and bred in that land. And yeah, the return home for Patty Fitzgerald and their offensive line looked good. But ne- how bad was Nebraska's just not not just their defensive line, just their line play in general was some of the worst line play I've seen in a long time from a power five team. It was rough, man. It was there. Uh, they'd been talking all off season about becoming more physical at the point of attack. And no, they looked worse. They lost a lot of talent from last year. People were like, we're forgetting to mention that several times leading up to this, like replacing a bunch, but yeah, they were just getting moved around at will. And on one drive, I believe Northwestern ran it like six straight times for a go ahead touchdown. I mean, it was absurd. It was bad. And yeah, I mean, it is an even year. So we expect Northwestern to be slightly better, but Northwestern is never going to be an elite program. They do have Peter Skrantz, uh, Peter Skronsky on the line who looks like a first rounder. But other than that, I mean, this is a pretty middle of the road team and they were able to just impose their will on both sides of the line. And that's not a good sign. That is not a good sign for the rest of the year for Nebraska. And we'll see what happens with Northwestern. They're not one of our opponents, so I don't really care. Maybe we'll see him in the Big Ten championship, but that would be the only time. Uh, looking around at some of the other week zero scores, Illinois boat raced Wyoming. Um, clearly, Brett Bielma is a better coach than Scott Frost at this point and getting way more out of a, a team and a, and a program that's much harder to have success at. You would think harder to have success at Illinois than it is at Nebraska. And Illinois looks like a better team just all around already. Boy, it was a bad day to be some ribs on Sunday. Brett Bielema <laughs> on a victory Sunday, just lathering them up, sitting there one and zero, polishing off probably like a tall Milwaukee's best. Like I felt awesome to see. Like you and I have been Brett Bielema fans because we do think kind of had a raw deal to Arkansas, but he belongs in the Big Ten. The Big Ten is better with him in it, and this program like they're they're always going to be scrappy under him. You saw it against Penn State last year. And them beating Wyoming was no shocker, but it was good to see for the conference that, you know, we're not going to be blowing these games to lesser thans. Yeah, absolutely. Other than Nebraska, who probably will do that. Uh, The only other game worth mentioning would be uh, the Hawaii game versus Vanderbilt, which wasn't much of a game, Hawaii, because obviously they are an opponent. We will discuss that uh, here shortly when we get into uh, another topic. But uh, yeah, Hawaii versus Vanderbilt. I mean, Vanderbilt had to cross six time zones to get to Hawaii and still put them on, put it on them, sixty-three to ten. And Vanderbilt's not that good, so uh, you can just kind of go ahead and forecast what that's going to mean when they have to travel six time zones to Ann Arbor. That was bad, man. I mean, I mean, not even bad. That was just alarming because Vanderbilt, like you said, they're not not this offensive powerhouse. It's not like they were playing USC and Lincoln Riley. Uh, yeah, not going to be great when they come to Michigan in two weeks, and I don't think they're they're feeling too great after that first game. So, yeah, is is eighty on the board for Michigan with this one? When's the last time we put up eighty? I know we beat Rutgers. What was it, seventy three to nothing? Seventy seven. Seventy seven to nothing. Uh, eighty might be a bit of a stretch because I mean it's going to be a group effort with Alex Orgy in there late in this game. I- I'm sure of that. But yeah, I mean we'll we'll talk about it. We've got to talk about the Hawaii game in a different section here coming up in a second. But uh, certainly, whatever the spread is, I'm probably going to bet the over. I mean that is a rough ask, and it's at night. Good lord. It's going to be a raucous atmosphere, man. First night game of 2022. So it's going to be interesting. And we'll have somebody new under center. Oh, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's marinate on that for a second. Uh, First, let's talk team captains were announced. We were 
almost spot on with this one. The only one we missed was Cade McNamara, but we did mention he was a guy to watch. Uh, when he was announced as one of them, along with Mozzie Smith, Mikey Sainer, still Eric All and Ronnie Bell, everyone else that we called. Thank you very much. Uh, I think that a lot of people read in to the Cade McNamara being a team captain part. Uh, but other than that, what were your takeaways from the team captains? Anything? Um, no, no, not surprised. You can always spot leadership from a mile away if you know what to look for. And we've been saying these guys have been in the discussion and some of them we had just locked in as being captains. But just being a captain, being named one doesn't mean that you're not a leader on the team. If you, I'm, Excuse me. If you weren't named one doesn't mean you're not a leader. Like Charles Woodson was never a captain at Michigan, but that never took away from his leadership on the defense. Players like that always matter. Mikey Sanderson said on a podcast last week that ever since he got to Michigan, he's looked up to Brad Robbins. Of all people, the punter as a leader. So he always acted as one and carried himself that way. So, no, I'm not surprised. These guys display a maturity and lead vocally and by example. So couldn't be happier. Just a proud group of captains. Really good group of captains there. Mike Sainer still, man, like I would listen to that guy talk for about 26 hours uninterrupted. Just like incredibly articulate, knows this team, true leadership, really like, I see why that's your dude there. Uh, Eric all just like a, he's the warrior of this group. I think he's like the, uh, the backbone fighting spirit, got that dog in him type of captain. Mozzie Smith seems like the quiet excellence. Like they're rewarding him for just being the absolute, like, focal point the linchpin of that defense Cade McNamara I mean Big Ten winning championship quarterback I mean plays the most important position wasn't too surprising we just weren't sure if they'd go with that because we didn't know who the quarterback was going to be and technically we still don't and then Ronnie Bell give me a break I mean that dude was a leader from the sideline he was a basically a second wide receiver coach last year that was a home run hit. I mean, yeah, this all makes sense. The only one that we had on there that uh, did not get mentioned is I think you had Ryan Hayes, but I mean, yep. still just another leader on this team. Yeah. And uh, Mikey Sainer, so I fully believe will be a future head coach in some capacity. Like I just really see that he's got all those intangibles. Mozzie Smith also on the podcast this week uh, gave great insight to what helped inspire him and bring him along. Cause you remember like up until last year, like, we're still waiting to see it. Like it was like you got to prove this. Show us something. And he mentioned Josh Ross. How Josh Ross was the same person, intensity in winter workouts, spring, fall, during the season. He was always the same. Always brought that, and it was just that consummate professionalism. So I think that really echoes what you were saying about Mozzie Smith bringing that to this team. He provides that, and then Eric Hall, just a physical dog. I don't think anybody loves football more than him he was saying that he loves fall camp because you're just hanging out with your family the whole time you get to play football every day I'm like Eric all just seems like I keep saying this about several players but it's funny how I say it about two of the captains they really resemble Jim Harbaugh in a sense that they just love football that's all they care about and that's like Eric all that's Mikey Sainer still that's Ronnie that's Kate and that's Mozzie I mean, that's what he's always wanted. I mean, as soon as Harbaugh got brought in and you and I were just dissecting every little bit that we could about Jim Harbaugh, what you kind of learned and like what we were predicting at that time based on what he had done at Stanford and at San Francisco is the guy likes athletes, he likes competitors, and he likes people that love the game. So, I mean, it's not too difficult. I mean, granted, now we've been doing this for six years, so I would hope we'd be getting you know, pretty good at our jobs and predicting these sort of things. But you can see it now from pretty far away when you're like, oh, yeah, that dude's a football player. Mikey Sainer still like doesn't care if it's offense, defense. And the fact that he earned like starting roles 
no matter where they put him and immediately got announced. We'll, we'll talk about the depth chart in the second half of this, but like early on, they're like, yep, he's going to be in the secondary and we expect him to play a ton. Now he's been announced as a starter, just a football player, a guy that grinds tape. And yeah, this is a great group of, of captains. And uh, one more thing about Eric all, I mean, I'll say it every single podcast. You have to absolutely be a warrior. That is game of Thrones level stuff to win on the field of battle and then go home and, and produce a child. <laughs> I mean, we can't overstate this enough. The man conceived by, you know, nine month mathematical standards on November 27th last year. And we all know what happened then. So no, Eric all is a superior human being to all of us. And there's a reason why that was my Jersey purchase this season. Great purchase. Speaking of great purchases, you need to go over to homefieldapparel.com at this point. Look, guys, the season is here. It's not just upon us. We're in it. We're in between week zero, week one. By the time this comes out, week one is is right on the doorstep. You got to get yourself taken care of. Get your apparel game up with some good Michigan apparel. They got the old school designs, which I like because I guess I'm getting old. They got new school stuff as well. They got anything you need. Go over to homefieldapparel.com and you can get 20% off your first purchase when you use MNB. Those are our people. Go support them. Go help them out. All right. We were kind of alluding to this when we were talking about both Hawaii and the captain situation. We're calling it the quarterback indecision, but that might imply that I have a negative outlook on this. And just to, I mean, if you haven't heard, let me give you some, uh, some background information. Jim Harbaugh came out and said that, Cade McNamara would be the starter for week one against Colorado State. J.J. McCarthy would be the starter for week two against Hawaii. This is something we haven't seen at Michigan. Um, I, I mean, I'm trying to rack my brain to go back before like 2003 when I really started watching a lot. I don't think we've ever seen it, but I do not look at this negatively. What are your thoughts on the on the quarterback indecision in air quotes? I think it's an answer, and it's one we want because it's hard to evaluate these guys in practice. And I think they learned their lesson in 2020 when practice Joe Milton was not in-game Joe Milton. Things change when the bullets are real. So I think they want to give both guys a fair shake, give them both first-team reps for a week, first-team film study, everything. You each get equal opportunities and go out there and show us what you can do because things do change from the practice field to on the field. Like Some people rise to the occasion and others shrink in the moment. So I think this is a very fair evaluation. It's a very transparent evaluation because it's not just like shrouded in mystery that, oh my God, K must have been so accurate. So no, we're going to see. Everyone is going to see. But there is no, this is nothing to do with the public. Jim Harbaugh is going to make this decision on his own. He could give a damn less about what you and I think, about what the boosters think. He has complete autonomy in this decision and earned that respect last season. A uh, lot of great points in there. I want to touch on the first part, what we call a gamer, how you perform under the lights versus how you perform in practice. Some people just like in the moment, they got that dog in them. Brandon Peters. I mean, we, you can have mixed feelings on him, but I think you and I kind of thought he played better when you put him in than how they described his play in practice and how we saw him in the spring game. I mean, even in the spring game, it was like, wow, there, there's a little something there. Like when eyes are on them, they perform better. And that's, incredibly important and we don't quite know that about jj yet uh cade i would say you know performed extremely well last year when the eyes were were on him i mean the ohio state game uh jj also came in and made an incredible throw in that so you could still say like hey they both got that trade in them second point you made about it not being about uh perception 
not being about the boosters or anything. I completely agree. But I do think that maybe he is subtly communicating with JJ here in saying like, look, we get it. You're the four star, probably really a five. I mean, that's a five star. I don't care that he was a four star in some outlets. That's a five star. Uh, And he's saying to him, look, we see the talent. We see what you mean to this team. We see that you put all the effort in. You're not out there golfing in the off season. That's not a veiled shot at anyone. Uh, (laughs) But we see that like you want to be here. You want to lead this team. We're going to recognize that. We're also going to recognize your play in, you know, fall camp by giving you a start here. This is essentially no different than how it was going to be because it was going to be Cade McNamara comes in for four drives. We get up by four scores and then JJ comes in for half the game and he would do that for the first three games. Now you're just splitting it up and you're giving them the start. It's no different. I bet in the minutes played, it's not going to be that big of a difference at all, but he's saying to JJ, look, We're putting it out there for you. If you think that you can take this job and you want to take this job, here's your opportunity. So I think it is kind of like it's providing an opportunity. He described it as not a demotion of Cade, but a promotion of JJ. And I think it's just that. Yeah, I 100% agree, man. And there's it's again, it's it's very funny to say like he doesn't care about like the outside perception, but he is like still like letting everybody be privy to this competition as it plays out. Like I can only imagine how close they've been throughout camp, just neck and neck. And you hear reports that when Cade's in, the ball doesn't touch the ground. So what that means for JJ is, yeah, there's going to be incompletions, but there's also probably 45, 50 yard bombs mixed in there. So it's like, okay, do you balance like, you know, getting 21 yards on three completions or getting 70 and one, but two incompletions mixed in. So there's a lot of give and take and each guy brings something different. JJ does bring that running dynamic. Cade brings that cool, calm, under pressure. Like when the moment's the biggest, you feel really good when he has the football. Like I know Cade McNamara nine times out of 10 is going to make a perfect decision in a close, close nut crunching time. So I'm fascinated to watch it play out. It's going to be a lot of fun these first two weeks. Oh, I mean, for us, this is as good as it gets for content, for podcasting. I mean, now we get to break down like, well, how good is Colorado State really versus how good is Hawaii really? And, you know, I one thing that I would bet on is that JJ is going to have a lot more rushing yards than Cade. What do those rushing yards mean? And like, what does that mean when when the pocket breaks down and things like that? It's going to be absolutely fascinating from us for, for us. One thing I wanted to bring up is that like there's been a I don't want to say a misconception, but you hear it a lot that if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. And that was kind of something that maybe wasn't correct because you look back at maybe the Urban Meyer Florida teams. And even before then, it's happened a lot. I mean, you could go back even further than that. But say this weren't Michigan and we had to remove the goggles. Say this was Ohio State. And we were just looking at it from the outside perspective. We didn't know about this culture. How would you look at this if it were a different team? Say like a a random team like Maryland on our schedule. Would you look at this differently? Obviously, we know what we have with this culture. But just from an outsider perspective, how do you think that people look at this? Uh, I would probably look at it a little more negatively because I know what the culture is like in this program. And it's very unique because not many teams go through what Michigan did last year with completely turning everything around, rewriting the narrative. Both quarterbacks played last year, so it was more of a two-quarterback system as well. So it's a very unique situation. But from the outside, I can see all this warrants criticism. But it's like if you have a little bit of no and a little bit of nuance in like what you're dissecting, you understand more about where it's coming from. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, when it happened with Chris Leak and Tim Tebow at Florida, I mean, they went on to win a national championship doing that. And I mean, eventually it was Tim Tebow getting the bulk of those snaps, but Chris Leak was still 
really heavily involved. Actually, I can't even that first national championship. I think Chris Leak actually started in the it national did. championship. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that they like both these guys, you can make it work. It's not like in professional football where you I don't think you would want to do something like this. It's a little bit different. I am not concerned and I get it. I'm a homer. I cover Michigan. I'm a giant Michigan fan. I can understand how people would be like, oh, you're too close to the situation. But like you mentioned, we know what the culture is there. They shared the field last year together, and you didn't hear anything about animosity between these two. So I don't expect there to be any animosity here. Cade McNamara is in practice. He sees that JJ's coming for his job, and all it's doing is raising the tide for all ships. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you hear constantly that uh, Cade McNamara is playing his best football in the fall. JJ is just elevated and taking that next step. And they're both here neck and neck. And we get to watch it play out in real time with the live bullets, man. I mean, it's going to be great, too. And also, like, let's let's keep this in mind. This is a run first and second offense. So it's not going to come out here and sling the ball 45 times. It's about making the right decisions when you are throwing it. So it's going to be fun to watch it all play out. But they're not just coming out here in just a throwing competition. It's gonna, we still have to win football games. Exactly. Basically, this is going to be a who doesn't turn the ball over contest. And uh, one turnover from JJ is probably going to mean quite a bit if Cade McNamara throws a perfect game and a perfect game for Cade McNamara in week one might be something like nine for 11 for 137 yards and two touchdowns. And then Alex Orgy's in or I I mean, it'll be interesting because maybe do you still play JJ in week one? Once you sit Cade, because look, guys, we're going to be up big. I mean, we're going to be, that's just the the nature of the game. I think he still comes in. I think you might see Cade after JJ in the Hawaii game. Just, you know, see him with the second team and see how things are and how they handle it. But yeah, man, it's going to be run first, run second, and then make the right decision on the football field. But it's an inter- one interception. I mean, that could be the difference. Very well could be. The last point I want to make on it is, Obviously, Jim Harbaugh wants to keep J.J. McCarthy on this team. They, both Cade and J.J., have three years of eligibility left. So it's not like, oh, J.J.'s the future, Cade is the the present, Cade's going to go somewhere after this year. First of all, I don't look at Cade as really much of an NFL draft prospect. That's not a knock on him. I, I just don't really see the arm strength, the athleticism to make it to that next level. He could still be an awesome college quarterback. But J.J. could want that. And you do want to keep that guy on the team. You don't want to like, so there could be some of that, like let's placate the star. I don't think there's a lot of that. I don't think Jim Harbaugh has a lot of that, you know, bowing down to the stars in him, but you wouldn't just a a human, just on a human level. You don't want to lose JJ on a football level. You don't want to lose a player that good. So there could be some of that. Hey, let's help. Like we're going to win these games by 40. Anyway, let's get JJ some snaps. Let's keep him happy. Do you think there's any of that happening? I don't know. That one's so tough. It makes sense. Like everything you said really makes sense. I just don't know if Harbaugh buys into that, thinking too much ahead in the future. Both guys have this year plus two more years of eligibility. I don't think he's that concerned about it, especially if they're this close in the battle. But I mean, everything you said like makes sense logically, but we've learned that Harbaugh is not a very logical person. <laughs> Out there climbing trees to go and get whom? Quinn Nordeen? But why? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. no, no, but uh, I mean, really, if you, if you kind of extrapolate on that point, wouldn't the guy you want to keep be um, Cade McNamara because he's less likely to bolt for the NFL after a good season? Like Cade McNamara could be our starting quarterback for the next three years. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. Like, so that's a great point as well to see it on the other side. Like, J.J. at least has this year and next being a true sophomore. Uh, Cade could technically bolt after this season if he had NFL prospects. You and I are both dubious about that. So, no, man, it's going to be fascinating. But I do – I just – I'm so riveted by the fact that we get to watch it live. Like we're so often these competitions for any positional battle where a lot is left to speculation and reporting. And sometimes there can be misreports, misinformation, but now we get to see it all happen. We get to see JJ McCarthy start a night game. We get to watch Cade do the season opener again, back with Ronnie Bell. So no, man, it's, it's going to be fascinating and I have no preference. Let's just win damn games. Let's go. Well, that's because you and I aren't crayon-eating, decaying sea lions on a beach somewhere. We don't we don't choose a quarterback based on how how many of our tweets that they like, and then decide that we're going to ride for them. We want what's best for this team, as any fan should. So we're in a tremendous spot. This is pretty far from John O'Corn versus Brandon Peters versus Wilton Spade. It's pretty far from Joe Milton versus Dylan McCaffrey. We're in an awesome spot. Yeah, we are uh, is an embarrassment of riches, and whoever we pick, I mean, I feel great with it. And if the other one leaves, it's the cost of doing business. Absolutely. All right, let's take a break. Uh, make sure you stick with us when we come back. The depth chart has been released. Jim Harbaugh gave a very forthcoming podcast uh, with John Jansen, and there is so much to take away from this. We're going to take a couple victory laps. Uh, We'll acknowledge where we were wrong. Uh, We weren't wrong about much. And then we're going to do a little bit of a preview for Colorado State right after this. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist, and if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. All right, welcome back. We got a good second half here. There is so much to break down. Jim Harbaugh, man, just being forthcoming. He seems giddy, seems happy, seems to enjoy where he's at. I don't think he wants to be part of the Minnesota Vikings right now. I think he's pretty excited to coach this Michigan Wolverine football team. Came out with some some really, really interesting quotes, and we're going to talk about that, but we're going to kind of weave it in to this preview of Colorado State Week 1. Uh, should be pushovers. There's really no getting around that. They're bringing in a new coach, new staff. They did not have a great year last year. They were three and nine with six losses in a row. This is a team that's rebounding, recovering. Um, obviously, you know, you can see what Harbaugh thinks about these first couple of games by basically using them as quarterback tryouts. But Colorado State does have a history of being a a thorn in the side for some programs. Me being a a Colorado alum, this is also uh, another rival for me, although my my love of Colorado football 
is dwarfed by my love of Michigan football. But uh, yeah, let's let, let's talk a little bit about this Colorado State preview. But then let's let's kind of weave that into the depth chart, which is the more important thing that we want to talk about here. Yeah, so Colorado State is in an interesting time. You mentioned they lost their last six last year, fired second-year coach Steve Adazio, uh, bring in uh, Jay Norvell. Seems like a, a good move, but it was kind of a weird lateral move. He came in from Nevada, which is a conference opponent of C- CSU's. Uh, has experience with Harbaugh. They played against each other when he was a defensive back at Iowa. They were teammates with the Chicago Bears and then uh, coaching staff members with the Oakland Raiders in the early 2000s. So very familiar, a lot of good just like relationship between these two. So it's going to be a fun game, good experience for these players to be the biggest crowd they've ever played under in the history of their program. So it's a nice step up, but on paper, they are just overmatched in a lot of areas. And we can start offensively. Like uh, Norvell in his press conference today was very forthcoming with his praise for Michigan's program. And it started with the offensive line. He said, I think that's the strength of this offense. And I think he is dead right with that. You and I have been preaching this. And it's no secret how good this offensive line is going to be, especially with Olu Oluwatimi at center and Trent A. Jones officially being the starting right tackle. Yeah, no surprises on the offensive line. It went pretty much chalk for what we predicted going left to right. Trente Jones wins out over Carson Barnhart with the right side of the line. That was really the only competition that we had. Uh, of note that Zach Zinter said of Olu Oluwatimi, uh, no disrespect to Andrew Vastardis, but this dude is just on a different level. Uh, that's going to go ahead and be a win for us on our biggest upgrade that we had in our offensive superlatives pod. I'm going to go ahead and take that victory lap right now. You're absolutely right. This is where this game's going to just be. It's not just going to be one. It's going to be dominated. This is a superior offensive line. They're not going to really be able to do too much. So Michigan's going to be able to run all over them. Uh, I mean, like you said, they were ranked. uh, I've got it right here. uh, 82nd in scoring defense and they they lost a lot of guys they brought in a lot of transfers 11 of them coming from nevada so yeah i i think you're you're spot on with the first thing that you wanted to highlight the offensive line being a, a huge part of this this matchup and not to mention this will be the first opportunity for olu oluwatimi and this offensive line to not block mozzie smith every damn play or all the other dogs we're going to get to so this will be a nice refresher for them to not see the number one freak in college football but to stay on the offense jim harbaugh provided the depth chart this week and on the of the receivers let's go to the outside here he mentioned uh roman wilson first which was interesting Cornelius Johnson, Ronnie Bell, A.J. Henning. Those will be like your big four and Andrew Anthony. I should say big five. But uh, one one name to note has become our boy. Peyton O'Leary is in the two deep, backing up C.J. at the X position, changed over to number 81 now. He is going to be a player and going to be a factor this season. Oh, gird your loins, cornerbacks. It's Peyton O'Leary. I can't <laughs> wait. Look, I mean, I got a little Irish in me. Uh, happy to drink beer every time he makes a catch. Happy to drink beer just if he's just around. Happy to just drink beer now while I'm recording this podcast. But look, we are, we are fans of Peyton O'Leary rocking the number 81. That says to me they think that this dude's a player. They expect him to go out there and, and not just be a, a cool last name and a special teams guy, but a guy that's going to get some catches. So that was great. Uh, Roman Wilson, though, clearly made a leap this year. And he was a guy that when we were rewatching, 
uh, during the offseason, we just kept mentioning more and more because he does really pop. He might be the fastest guy on the team, has good ball control. They wanted to get him the ball more and more. And also, Cade was developing uh, quite a rapport with Roman Wilson, who will now be returning kicks as well. So that was a big takeaway. Uh, other than that, there wasn't anything too surprising. Ronnie Bell and CJ, that is just a veteran, explosive, really, really good group right at the top. And then Andrew Anthony, Peyton O'Leary also right in there. Um, I guess a bit of a surprise that Darius Clemens fell down, but that was my pick for uh, wait your turn youngster. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and take a small victory lap there, although he has a chance to to over uh, to overtake Peyton O'Leary and some of those other guys throughout the season. The Peyton O'Leary stats that jump out to me, and you and I probably should have been on this earlier, given a few of them. Um, really fell under the radar. He's a former, uh, still a walker. I don't think he has a scholarship yet. He uh, senior season was canceled due to COVID. Uh, walked on at Michigan in high school, though he was a three sport athlete in football, lacrosse and baseball, uh, basketball, excuse me, and was a 12-year letterman, 12-time letterman across all sports, and he captained each sport as well. And furthermore, last year, one thing you and I always like to pay attention to is scout team players of the week. And he was scout team offensive player of the week last year in preparing for Washington. So I think he's provided just like great reps, leader, grinder, everything you want from a guy. And it's really, I mean, starting to round out back to what we were talking about earlier, he really seems like a hardball guy. And to go from walk-on last year and still a walk-on to usurp people like Darius Clemens and Tyler Morris and Christian Dixon speaks to how good he could be. So don't sleep on Peyton O'Leary. He's also six foot three, which is not nothing. I mean, uh, we've got a good mix of guys that are, you know, shorter and they're burners and then guys that are a little bit bigger. But Peyton O'Leary being a guy that uh, has been mentioned by J.J. McCarthy in his Instagram story as a 50-50 ball guy, I see him I see him being more than just like a, a cute, you know, change of pace guy. I think this is a real player for us. Uh, Andrell Anthony, anything worth mentioning there with him being kind of pushed down beneath those first three? Or is that to be expected from a, a sophomore? I think with the Ronnie Bell return, it slowed things down. And obviously Bell is back to it seems to be exactly where he was last season where he left off. So I don't think it's anything to worry about. He's in that main group of guys that'll be in the mix early on. And I think just like the quarterback position, orders could be shifted around throughout the season. I'm with you. I'm with you there. Uh, All right. So Colorado State number 97 in scoring offense last year, which, uh, well, I guess we'll just say not great. So (laughs) I don't know that they're going to get much better. They're going against a defensive line that has some outrageous depth. Let's start with the defensive ends where I would say there wasn't too much of a surprise, but one thing that I wanted to touch on, uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and give the the list. I mean, it is uh, Mike Morris, Jalen Harrell, Taylor Upshaw. Uh, Chris Jenkins is going to probably move inside and outside. And then the number twos being Braden McGregor, TJ Guy, and Ayabe Anoma which is the one that I kind of wanted to touch on because Jim Harbaugh said in that podcast, we'll see if he can pass Braden McGregor and TJ guy. I think, and I want to hear your opinion on this. That might be a direct call out of Braden McGregor. Like, Hey, this dude's coming for your job. He was mentioned as like a make or break guy for the, uh, this year. Is this, is this something that Harbaugh is doing directly to challenge Braden McGregor? 
Or is this just, you know, saying the facts that Ayabe Anoma has moved up to the second team, is going to play, and uh, may take some snaps for McGregor? I think it's a combination. And I, I think everything he says is intentional, likes to name drop as much as he can to give the recognition. And I think it is time for Braden McGregor to step up, but it's also just an undeniable fact how talented Anoma is. And the defensive line's interesting because there was a shift of having Chris Jenkins be a projected starter on the outside playing defensive end now, and then going uh, Mason Graham, Mozzie Smith there in the middle, and then having that rotation of guys on the outside that runs like three, four, five, six names deep. So there's a lot of different packages and looks they're going to give them across the front there. And man, Anoma is just such a wild card because if he's coming on like he says they are, Harbaugh's expecting him to play in the first game. So I think they're going to put him out there and just tell him to go wreak havoc. And it's going to be interesting to see how McGregor and our guy, TJ guy, responds to the added guy in the back. And also another name, Derek Moore, who Harbaugh said, quickly sees him becoming unblockable once he develops a counter move or two. So a lot, a lot to take away from this defensive line, man. And then on the interior depth with Cam Good, Kenneth Grant, Rayshon Benny, George Rooks, the front, this defensive front is as deep as I can ever remember it at Michigan. I have to believe you there, and I have to believe what's coming out of camp. We were really doubting it early on. We're like, really? Better than last year? You guys are out of your mind. But I think the Mason Graham thing, which you bury the headline there, Mason Graham being a starter is the most surprising thing that came out of that press release. This is a true freshman. Now, not surprising to us that he hit because this was the guy I planted my flag in early. So I'll take a little victory lap there. But I didn't even expect him to start this year. I was like, watch for him sophomore year. The guy's up. He's over 300 pounds. He was a four star. He was not really super highly recruited because he came out of a college or a program that didn't really play against a lot of other guys. But when you watch him, you're like, oh, well, that dude is just leagues above everybody else. And that translated. Clearly, that translated to beat out Cam Good. That's incredible. I think that's one of the more exciting things. This shouldn't be something where you're worried because our defensive tackle depth is outlandish. So if this guy won out, I think he's a freaking player. And this is going to be like one of the better guys that we've had in a while. So I am I am there on Mason Graham. Uh, the other point that you talked on that I wanted to mention was Yabe Anomi being the biggest wild card of the team. Uh, I don't have much to add other than I completely agree. Him coming to this uh, into the rotation completely shifts things up. And it should light a fire under Braden McGregor. Because Braden McGregor, we kind of been waiting, kind of been waiting. We are like, this is a big year for him. It just became much bigger. Because Anoma still has, I think, three years of eligibility. So he's got this, this and next. Okay, okay, so two years of eligibility for him. But nonetheless, like the fire should have been lit with this guy coming behind. He looks like he doesn't quite match up size-wise with McGregor and and definitely not with Mike Morris, who is just an anomaly of a human being. He's an, an oddity. But he, he could like stand to put on a little bit. Looks more like a Jalen Harrell. But we need another speed edge rusher. So, yeah, this is a huge opportunity for Anoma. Um, you're, you're right, man. I don't recall a defensive line this deep. I mean, that's, we didn't even mention Rayshon Benny, who he said was an ascending player. George Rooks, who he really likes. Cam Good is now backing up Mozzie Smith. I mean, this thing goes too deep every position. Yeah, Kenneth Grant, you said the 350-pound just mountain. 
And the front seven here, I think, is taking a bit, or there's the front four is taking a big step under Mike Elston. I, re- I really like Sean Nua as a person and what he did for like character development with his program as a good recruiter. I just think Mike Elston is an upgrade here, and I think it's kind of gone under the radar. I think he's going to maximize this group, and then really, especially with the defensive tackles. If you look at his track record at Notre Dame, they always had some just mammoth defensive tackles in there. So I think you're going to see more of that. Uh, it'll be a big season on the interior. But on the back end, there was also some interesting news coming out of Jim Harbaugh that the presumptive starters around the edges, we we were right about. It's Jamon Green, it's DJ Turner. The back end is going to be Rod Moore, Moten, uh, your boy Makari Page, and Caden Colzar in the two deep. But it was the Mikey Sainer still mentioned is going to get the starter at nickel. So he will be the starting nickel back, probably be using a versatile role out there. And the fact that he can switch positions and in less than a year become a starter in a talented secondary that has the likes of a Will Johnson, a Zeke Berry, and Keon Sab entering the program just speaks volumes to have the strides he's taken and reason why he's a quarterback. Or, I'm sorry, a captain. I mean, that's your boy right there. So, I mean, I love it. I mean, he's becoming quickly my dude. It, how can you not like Mikey Sainer still? They just ask him, hey, go do this. You know, maybe switch over to the other side of the ball. Hey, be a captain. Hey, be a vocal leader from the sidelines. Doesn't care. Just goes out and does his job. And uh, you made the the boldest prediction, I think, of the offseason was uh, Mikey Sainer still breaking the interception record. Well, this gives you a little bit of a chance. This opens the door. I'm not saying it's all the way open, but uh, there's some light shining through there's a crack in the door it is now somewhat possible that Mikey Sainer still has a big year uh, in the turnover category Uh, outside of that nothing really too surprising Uh, Will Johnson was mentioned by Harbaugh as potentially being the best freshman on the team which is saying something since uh, Mason Graham beat out Kim good so how freaking good is Will Johnson going to be he will play this year I don't think he's red shirting I don't really thought think we thought he was going to redshirt to begin with so will johnson will be there i guess a little bit of a surprise that both keon sab and zeke barry aren't going to play although i think we both had zeke barry uh in our wait your turn youngster category when we were doing defensive superlatives it's not too surprising to me though because the defense is very complex back there uh with rod moore and moton's experience we didn't think they'd get beaten out makari page started coming on as well. He has starting experience in 2020. And Caden Colzar, like everyone likes to overlook him for whatever reason. I don't know what it is, but he has experience and knows this defense inside and out. So again, if they're going to get usurped, it's going to be from people like, it's going to be later on in the year. It's not going to be these freshmen taking over right now. So I understand the way maybe they come along later, but come on, they were never taking it from our boy Rod or from RJ back there. No, 100% with you there. And Makari Page, who I predicted to overtake R.J. Moten, and then I backed off of that after re-watching some R.J. Moten. But Makari Page had a great fall, great spring by all accounts. So that's just another player in what is a really deep secondary. And, um, well, actually, let's take a break, and then we'll touch on that. Support for Out of the Blue is brought to you by Manscaped, who is best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Their performance package, the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle. Join over 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code MNB20 at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, that's about 10 million balls. Look, as someone who himself is not dissimilar from a noble forest state when it comes to the scraggly nature of their nether regions, I understand the importance of a good and a safe trim. 
and the Performance Package 4.0 has arrived and it is a game changer. Inside this package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a Travel Bag. The Lawnmower 4.0, first off, the trimmer of the future and grooming, dare I say, the greatest ball trimmer ever. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 400K LED spotlight should you need a more precise shave. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. You thought that was good, but want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker Nose, Ear, and Hair Trimmer. Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. Their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner will change the way you approach your hygiene routine. Trust me when I say this, fellas, your balls will thank you. Manscaped even threw in a free gift to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. Time to take care of yourself. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code MNB20. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code MNB20 at manscaped.com. 20% off shipping and at manscaped.com. Use the code MNB20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, coming back. We were talking on the secondary there. One more point that I wanted to make was uh, we were talking early. I forget which podcast it was, but we do it every year where we talk about which position groups we think are the deepest. And early on, I know we had receivers one. I think we had secondary two and defensive end three. Does that sound right? I think so. Edge might have been two because I don't know if we lumped corners and safeties. We also had offensive line pretty high there, but would it be safe to say now that defensive tackle might be the deepest position group on this team? It feels like it for sure. Offensive line is such a wild card because there's like seven or eight names you feel comfortable with, but man, defensive tackle for having you know the two positions you're going to play on the field at a time is absurdly deep now. Yeah, especially with guys like Rayshon Benny, George Brooks, Cam Good just being probably not an outstanding player, but probably a really solid player that you can count on. And now Mason Graham, a true freshman's coming in there and he's expected to play serious minutes in big games like that is all of a sudden becoming a, a position of strength. And the last time I can remember defensive tackle being a position of strength or I mean, not a position of strength, but the position of strength. You're going way back to the early 2000s. Yeah, it's just so weird that it came on like it did because in January you and I were sweating about the departure of Chris Hinton and the pressure that was putting on and all of that is gone and dissipated and doesn't even feel real anymore. So (laughs) it is a welcome sight to see on this team. And one more freshman we forgot to mention on the offensive side of the ball that was kind of surprising is C.J. Stokes overtaking Tavi Dunlap as the third string running back. And as we saw last season, the third string running back will get some run with this team. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you, you moved right where I wanted to move there. Not only will he get some run, I expect him to get a lot of run, especially early on in the season. We're not going to want to overwork Corum and Edwards, who neither one is Hassan Haskins. I don't know that we'll ever see the like of Hassan Haskins again, to be honest. Um, but nobody can take that kind of a punishment. So we need three. We need four running backs. So Tavi Dunlap is still going to get carries. 
but you and I were high on Toby Dunlap. I think we compared him early on to uh, Karan Higdon, and not in the sense that he was going to be as good as Karan Higdon, but he was a good blend of speed, power, and vision in the sense that Karan Higdon wasn't really explosive at any one of those things, but was solid at all of them. So I think CJ Stokes overtaking him is a good thing. I don't see this as like, oh no, what happened? I see this as, oh, here we go. Now we have four backs again. Well, as soon as we heard the anecdote about CJ Stokes getting taped up early so he would he could just go right into practice, I was like, oh, it's another football guy. Like this is all he wants to do and all he thinks about. So that was just like an early thing to kind of get like a glimpse into who he is as a player on and off the field. So I think it's a great thing, man. Added depth at the running back position, especially with Edwards and Corn both having some injury history last year. It's good to see that emerge. Yeah, and I mean, I get it. Third string running back, not a sexy position to talk about, but you can go back every year, every single year. Last year kind of being an outlier in the sense that I don't think Haskins missed a minute. That is an outlier. That is for sure an outlier. Like there's going to be time miss. It's the most punishing position, second being linebacker, um, which we'll get to in a second with Kalel Mullings not being mentioned as a running back and being listed full time as a linebacker again. But yeah, CJ Stokes is now a guy that you need to keep an eye on. And I, I think he's going to probably, what do you think, 300, 300 yards over under for rushing yards for CJ Stokes? I think that's a safe place to place the the over under there, especially in these first three weeks of the year when if we see Corum or Edwards in the second half, I'm going to be sweating every time they touch the football. There's no reason you should see Corum or Edwards. And I get it. Like these guys are going to want to go for broke and have big years. But this this season's going to come down to about four games. And uh, none of those four games happen in the first three weeks. So there's no no need, no reason to put it on those guys. Let's see what CJ Stokes has. And you mentioned just like a football player. Seems like a hardball guy. So, yeah, I mean, count me as excited for CJ Stokes. Um, all right. Other things worth mentioning. We mentioned Kalel Mullings moving back to linebacker full-time. That makes sense. I mean, you look at the linebacker depth, there wasn't a ton of surprises there. Mullings really being the, the only thing worth mentioning. Michael Barrett is a guy that we kind of failed to mention a lot during the off season, but it's going to get a lot of play. So that's worth mentioning. Um, Jimmy Rolder is probably the next guy up at linebacker. Don't you think that we see? They got three mentions in there. They had Rolder, uh, Deuce Spurlock, who you and I were really high on as being a sneaky guy to hit, and Micah Pollard. So some depth is emerging, inexperience. Uh, Nikai Hill Green's a little banged up, so they might get some early run uh, in, in place of him. One of the few injuries on this team, which is a, a blessing. And Junior Colson has just continued to rise and – from all indications, going to have a monster season this year. So not not too many surprises at the linebacker position. You and I aren't really down on anybody, but I mean, for the sake of parity, and we don't want to be too big of homers here, are we maybe a little down on Nakai Hill Green? I think so. I think we could be, but I think it's warranted. We need to see the improvement. We've heard about it, but now we need to see it when the bullets are real. So after last year, we saw some chinks in the armor, and we need to see if those have been rectified. But I think of all the positions on the defense, that is the one that you're most justified in being a little skeptical or dubious on entering the first game. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. I'm going to throw a couple superlatives for the first game at you, and uh, we'll finish this thing off strong. Uh, let's start with first touchdown. This is an important one. This is a tough one. First touchdown is going to be emotional because it's going to be Ronnie Bell. 
Ah, man. You and I, I, I swear to God, man, we are uh, brothers of the of the same mother somewhere deep, deep down the line, because that's exactly who I had. I mean, it makes sense. I think Cade McNamara is going to want to open it up. I think he's going to want to establish that connection again. And who wouldn't want it to be Ronnie Bell? Like, captain to captain, that would be awesome. I also had Ronnie Bell. Uh, other, other, I mean, there's a lot of other candidates. I guess who would be your second candidate? Probably the betting favorite would be Corum, right? Yeah, Corum would be next because you think they'll run the ball, really establish the offense. But there's a part of me that has Matt Weiss and Sharon more like everyone in the world is going to think when Michigan comes out with two tight ends of Scooney and Eric Hall, they're going to run the ball, set the tone, and you run just the play action off that. You take a shot at Ronnie Bell. The I would cry. I I, I will say that like with I will 100% cry if Ronnie Bell scores the first touchdown off the first play. Cry. That makes you more of a man Thank than you. less of a man. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I would appreciate your manhood. Just two men celebrating their strength. <laughs> exactly. But I, I think the betting favorite has to be Quorum. Edwards is mixed in there. Maybe you could like sprinkle some CJ or Eric Hall. But I think Ronnie Bell, man, it, who better to root for? I mean, there's nobody. I, I drafted and we did a college football draft. We have uh, one of our listeners, at least I know, is in that league. I maybe overdrafted Ronnie Bell, taking him in the third. You stole Donovan Edwards for me, just overreaching by 40 picks in the running back room. I'll do it uh, again, too. <laughs> I'll do it again. I mean, it was the right move. I mean, I, I think that there's going to be some Edwards Heisman hype at some point in the season. But I may be backing off of that just because of how quickly we're going to get up on some of these teams. But, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. All right. Is there a turnover forced on defense and who gets the first turnover? Absolutely. Mikey Sainerstall. I'm going to keep pounding this drum until enough people hear it in the streets, baby. Let's go. My boy is consistent, if nothing else. I love it. I absolutely love it. How about a Junior Colson forced fumble and a Taylor Upshaw recovery? That's oh. a... That's, that's a good that's a, one. I bet that's like plus plus six thousand on FanDuel if I could bet that. That's a deep cut. There's got to be some spice too on DJ Turner getting an interception or so one of the edges forcing a forced fumble. A fun one that's probably deep down the betting odds would be Anoma setting the tone in reserve yeah. minutes with that speed. I mean, these no offense to the Colorado State players, they've never seen an athlete like Iabe Anoma on the edge. Dude, absolutely right. And I wanted to touch on that. And there's another point I wanted to touch on there too. Um, but Anoma is going into what we were saying, the biggest wild card on this team. When that guy is unleashed, especially early on in the season, and he's just, hey, go rush the passer. He's probably already the best on the team. I mean, is that is that too bold? To say that he's probably just pure pass rush. I'm not saying like against the run. I'm not saying how many moves does he have in his arsenal. I'm not saying like does he make mistakes in containing the edge? Does he go inside when he should go outside? But when they're just like, hey, go beat your man one-on-one, -on -one, is that already the best pass rusher on the team? From pure talent, I think it has to be. I mean, you you saw where he was ranked. You need to see it against a higher level of competition again. But just talent to talent, I think you're justified in saying that right now. Over, under, let's set the over, under on a Noma Sacks this year. I'm going to go five and a half. What do you think? I'll go slightly under. I'll go five. I just, I, with the rotation, I don't know how it'll shake out yet, but I feel like it'll be a steady mix across the board between like three and six for a lot of guys. 
I mean, you remember in uh, 2018, Rashawn Gary only had three. So exactly. yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough. Sacks are not easy to come by. So what Aiden Hutchinson did last year doesn't just happen. It's, it's, it's very difficult to get even five sacks is a really, really good year. It's probably going to get you drafted. If he gets to five, he's probably not coming back next year. No, I wouldn't blame him either. And Aiden Hutchinson is better than all of us and proves that not, we're not all created equal because he's better. So Aiden Hutchinson is better at us than everything. I don't know how good he is at like arithmetic or say puzzles, but probably better than me. He sang Billy Jean and it rocked like that was not on my bingo card anywhere. No, superior human in all fact. He is like your dog Khaleesi, just superior. Superior. I 100% agree with you there. Uh, the other part that uh, you mentioned there was that Harbaugh, I, I don't know if it was Harbaugh or if it was Klingscale. So I apologize if I got this inaccurate, but he said that Jamon Green actually had a better camp than DJ Turner. Now that's happened in the past and that didn't end up mattering. The guy we thought was going to be the guy still ended up being the guy. But is it possible that Jamon Green is cornerback number one? Here's my take on this. So besides injuries, there was a reason DJ Turner had a problem getting on the field at times. And I think it's because he's more of a gamer than he is in practice. I think he shows up more on the field than he ever does out there. Maybe he doesn't have all the traits you want, but when he's on the field, he gets the job done and is locked down. Gamal Green could overtake him because of his like film study, the way he tackles, and the experience he has. So I don't think like it's crazy to think he could be cornerback one, but until I see it, it live and when it matters, I'm still going to pick Turner. We're lockstep there. I decided to wait to buy my jersey because I don't want to buy like, oh man, this is my guy. I'm going all in on Roman Wilson. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, he gets arrested or, or something like yeah. that. I mean, that's not going to happen. I, I like Roman Wilson, but you know, things happen and, and guys that you think are going to be guys because I mean, you go way back. There's probably some dudes that I was forecasting to be an absolute monster. Spider Sims. Glad I didn't buy a Miles Spider Sims jersey early on, you know? So I want to wait and see who it is, but I'm still riding my DJ Turner hype train. I still think DJ Turner is going to be, ah, to hell with it. I'll make the claim. Best cornerback in the Big Ten. Good, good. That's why we're here. We're not here for mild takes because, you know what? Who cares if you're wrong? Twitter's imaginary. It doesn't exist. It's fine. Say outlandish things. Just don't cower behind your takes and it doesn't go your way. Not I'm with you, brother. I mean, I'm so sick of people being like, well, Big Game Boomer said this and, and Don Thomas thinks that. I'm like, who are these people? I don't care what they think. <laughs> it means nothing, man. There's nothing behind it. Like, no, have, have some evidence behind your take. Have some gusto. Stick to your guns, but use logic. Source, source your thing. Source your information, please. But that's, I digress. Uh, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. All right. Uh, any other week one games that you're looking forward to? Uh, we kind of touched on it last week. There are some really good matchups in week one. Uh, Florida, Utah is one that I've got my eye on in particular. Utah could be a sneaky pick for the college football playoffs. Uh, I think Utah's a little overrated. I think they get tested here early, maybe even get, uh, suffer a loss. Billy Napier, I, I really like him and what he's bringing to this Florida program. Uh, Utah is tough, though. They really like modeled after their head coach, Kyle Whittingham, who's an absolute dog of a human. And the other game, of course, uh, Notre Dame, Ohio State. Prime time, it's where game day's at. Uh, Notre Dame's a 17-and-a-half point dog. 
And Marcus Freeman specialty comes from the secondary. You see what he developed at Cincinnati before leaving for Notre Dame. So I expect this one to be awesome, especially now. I want to see all teams try to implement the Michigan blueprint of stopping the run and stopping big plays. But the fact that this is in Columbus makes the Buckeyes feel a little tougher to beat. You know how happy you just made me knowing that there's something called the Michigan blueprint now that does exist. And uh, that's something that people. It's a real thing. Uh, how about uh, not your alma mater, but uh, your your namesake, your your state in which you live, West Virginia at Pittsburgh. Uh, both it's uh, JT. What is it? JT Daniels it's versus Daniels. versus Keaton Slovis. Both of them were at USC. Both of them transferred. One of them transferred twice. Nope. So now they meet on opposite sides in a very interesting game. Uh, I'll be watching that one as well. But uh, Penn State at Purdue for Big Ten interest. Fascinating. That's a fun one, man. I really like what Purdue is doing. Penn State, the classic overhype machine with James Franklin at the helm. But yeah, the backyard brawl is back with Pitt in West Virginia. Uh, I like Pitt by a few scores in that one. Just they have more experience coming back despite losing Pickett and Addison. Uh, WVU still has to figure out some answers at the quarterback position. And yeah, man. Great weekend, dude. Football's back. I'm so excited for a full slate. Good Lord. So uh, I'm trying to still figure out. I did find a bar in, uh, it's about 45 minutes away in Panama. It's a brewery. And I spoke broken Spanish to the owner of the bar and declared that I must be able to watch Michigan there. Uh, I believe he said that I can based on what I understand from this language that is not my native language. So I will be uh, I will be sitting in a brewery somewhere in the heart of Panama watching this and screaming at the screen whilst uh, locals and natives look at me in horror. And I can't wait for it. I'm, I'm absolutely here for it. Now, we did a predict the spread. We did this months ago. And here's the spreads that we predicted for this game. I predicted it at 31. Your spread was 38 and a half. Current spread, 27 and a half. How you betting it if you're betting? Take the over. Come on. I said 38. I'm, I'd probably back that down a little bit, maybe like 32, more in your area, 31. <laughs> but yeah, take the over here. And again, I have some weird track. I have to go to Denver for work this week. Uh, I have to stay late Friday there. But just to guarantee I don't miss the game, I'm catching a red eye at 2.50 a.m. Eastern time out of Denver. I land back home at 10 a.m. So I'm just going straight through the night, so I'm not missing this game. I'll be locked in, pound the over. Let's go. I love that you and I have become somewhat well-adjusted adults. We have like jobs and careers. You have a a very loving and wonderful girlfriend and a a home and stuff, but we're still like, yeah, I'm sorry, boss. Not going to be able to do that trip. Uh, Michigan's playing Colorado state. Yeah. Like we're celebrating my uh, aforementioned girlfriend's birthday the following week. And I'm like, Oh, brunch would be great that day because Michigan doesn't play till eight 30 at night. (laughs) I'm with you, man. Uh, Just so you know, And I mean, we're not a betting podcast, but I'm betting the over and I'm betting it big early in the season because these are these spreads are going to grow. And right now is the time to get it. Look at what Vandy and Hawaii ended up as. I'm telling you, Michigan's covered in this spread. I'm betting it big early in the season. Uh, What is your score prediction for the game? Uh, Score prediction for this one. I'm going to take Michigan 45 to six. I really just think they're I mean, is that. 48 to 6. I got to cover my own line here. 49 to 6. Just, just keep it going. Pump those numbers up. 49 to 6. I really think it's going to 
uh, overwhelmed them early and often with the physicality. Colorado State is a young team. I think they'll improve under Norvell, but it's going to be a slow process, and it's not going to begin in Ann Arbor. I don't think – I mean, first of all, I love it. I absolutely love that you're backing up your own line. I don't think Harbaugh is going to want to run it up on Jay Norvell. As you mentioned, they have a history. They are friends. They played together. They've coached against each other. They played against each other in college, which is kind of cool. Norvell was a defensive back, defensive at, back Iowa, at Iowa. correct? Yeah, so Harbaugh was literally scouting this guy, trying to figure out how to beat him. Um, I don't think he's going to try and run it up, but that being said, I, it's – Michigan is just way, way, way leaps and bounds ahead of them. This is mostly the returning team. I get that we lose Hutchinson. I get that we lose Ojabo. I get that we lose Dax Hill, who we're going to talk about next week when we start uh, talking about Michigan players in the NFL. But this this team could very well be better. I got it 52 to 10. Pound it. Pound the cover. I'm with you. Let's go. Let's ride this team. I won some ser- I was able to pay for my trip to Argentina last year. Just letting pounding Michigan covers in the first three games. That's the way to do it. Uh, I hope I don't lead you wrong, but I got it 52 to 10. Let's go. The season is upon us. I have one superlative as we're signing off here. Just one quick hitter for you. You ready? Good. I'm going to take a quick hitter at tequila because I'm so excited. (laughs) This time next week, what is the number one storyline we are talking about from the Colorado State game going into Hawaii? Well, unfortunately, that's kind of a layup. It's going to be the Cade McNamara versus J.J. McCarthy. I mean, that's already a national Aside from story. from the quarterback. Okay, okay. Is Blake Corum the best running back in the nation? I like it. Mine was going to be Ronnie Bell Bolitnikoff. Ooh, that's also right there. Because I think Ronnie Bell's going to have a stat line of something like three receptions, 111 yards, a touchdown. And just look like an absolute captain. I think he's going to be dominant. I mean, everything that I've heard coming out is that he just picked up. Harbaugh said he's playing better than he did pre-injury. Yeah, he seems to really trust it. Abandoned the knee brace like on the second day of camp. And his one word this season was dominate. And that's what our podcast is going to do this season as well. I love it. All right, let's, uh, let's give ourselves a little bit of love. We've been doing this for six years. We don't like to talk ourselves up, but... Guys, uh, if you've been listening to us and you are followers of the podcast, give us a like, share, give us a subscribe, give us a a review on iTunes, give us, you know, I I, I don't like to ask gimme, 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 but, you know, show us a little love. We love you guys. We are really, really appreciative of those of you that have been with us all this time. We want to have you on the show. We are very, you know, about talking with our fans. We ourselves are fans, so reach out to us. Uh, on Twitter, I am at JStorm303. Andy, what is yours again? I am at UMAndrewB. Uh, get on there, interact with me. And again, you do a great job of this. I want to give you a quick shout out for it, um, of celebrating things you like. Everyone is quick to be so negative about everything and always voice negative opinions. You do a great job of uh, supporting things you like, saying good things out there. So leave positive reviews, be nice to each other, and love to have you on the podcast. Love you guys. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. We are not going to sit here and disparage each other. We're going to encourage each other to quote Bo Schembechler. We're going to be on the same team this this year, guys. Even if you're, you know, not a fan of the quarterback decisions, if you don't like somebody starting over somebody else, we are on the same team and the season is upon us, my friends. I am beyond excited. I got like goosebumps right now just talking to you because this is going to be a really good season. I have complete faith in that. It's game week. It's week one.
It's game week, my friends. All right, that's going to do it for Out of the Blue. Make sure you like, share, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast, whether that's Apple Music, Spotify, wherever. You can follow Mason Brew on Twitter, as you should, at Mason Brew. I have an article coming out this week on Mason Brew. He's back. He's back, baby. The first time in three years. And he's putting out articles like he's Ernest Hemingway. The dude is unstoppable. Please. Stop into Maze and Brew. I'm Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, especially in a season, we're going to be national champs. Go Blue. Blue.